What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Pretty busy news cycle for the Miami Dolphins this past weekend with the news coming out from both ESPN's Adam Schefter and NFL Network's Ian Rappaport that the Miami Dolphins expect Tua Tagovailoa to serve as the team's starting quarterback in 2022. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about it here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And this close, this close, I don't know if you're, you're watching on the YouTube channel or not, but it's, my fingers are very close together. To have having done an emergency podcast on Saturday, which would have been our seventh episode of the week, to discuss this news uh, that had had broken, come out from both of the major outlets uh, regarding uh, the Dolphins and their 2022 offseason and the future and what lies ahead. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. But uh, yeah, Saturday, midday. Don't. Tweets start coming out. Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. Dolphins expect Tua Tungavaloa to be the team's starting quarterback. The team believes in Tua Tungavaloa. Uh, the team is not expected to pursue, pursue Deshaun Watson, the quarterback from the Houston Texans. Brian Flores was the primary uh, ringleader in that regard. And then you get the other side of the fence, and then Mike Florio, pro football talk, who's hammering back against it and, and refuting everything that's being said. And I think no matter where the truth lies, and I, I think, you know, every side of the story has some compartmentalized portion of the truth in it to some degree, right? No matter where the truth lies, I think one thing that is abundantly clear is that there is a PR, public perception, battle that is that is ongoing and um i i think miami what was odd about the tua stuff from saturday was and the fine print of what ian rapport I'll, I'll read what he wrote the fine print has this in there but when stephen ross met with the media after firing Brian Flores last Monday. It's been a week already. He said his words, not mine, that the next head coach was going to have the opportunity to evaluate the quarterback decision, but that no, he did not have plans to pursue Deshaun Watson. Okay. But then just a couple days later, the headline and something was given to both Schefter and Rappaport. Seemed to indicate that there was no evaluation to be had until, of course, you read what Ian Rappaport actually wrote over on NFL Network, or NFL.com. Here is the full quote from the snippet from Ian. Dolphins head into their search for a new coach with firm support for their quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa is expected to be the quarterback for the 2022 season. Sources say, barring some sort of unforeseen circumstance, 
fine print number one. The organization's belief in him as their starter is considered significant, and it appears the search for a flashy replacement is over. Franchise that was in trade talks for Deshaun Watson for much of 2021 wants to build around and support Tungavaloa rather than move on from him. Here comes fine print number two. A new head coach, Will Source says, have the opportunity to evaluate every facet of the football team, including the quarterback, but the hope is to find a candidate who believes in him and can bring the best out of him. I will say this, and it goes back to something we talked about mid-season. And it's something the Dolphins have not done a particularly good job of. You do have to love the one you're with. Now, the offseason opens up the possibility for you to make a relationship change and change gears and go a different direction. Um, and I certainly think some Dolphins fans make a logical case and argument when they say, this isn't a bad thing for a new head coach who can come in, evaluate Tua Tagovailoa through the 2022 season with a fresh start, being able to say, if it doesn't work out, well, this isn't the guy that I picked to play quarterback. I'm evaluating him. We surrounded him with the best possible talent we could last offseason when we were number one in the NFL in cap space and had a first, second, and third round pick to invest in and build around him. So let's, with two first round picks at our disposal in 2023, go get a guy I want to run my offense if it doesn't work out with Tua. It's a perfectly logical, reasonable, sound way to lay out an evaluation window for Tua. I think the tough part is like, and technically, I guess you could say the Philadelphia Eagles did that this year. And that's one thing I'm going to try to do uh, throughout the course of this offseason is find parallels, like a parallel for, I'll let you guys in on it now, one of my big prerogatives for this offseason, I don't want to spend that first round pick on a rookie. Now, that, especially now that San Francisco stole uh, a playoff win against Dallas, sent the Cowboys home, and now all of a sudden that pick is going to be at worst, and I, I think they will lose next week, but it is at worst, or at best, I should say, 25th in the draft order. And please don't send me tweets about, oh, the Dolphins were dumb, because if they kept their own pick and sent San Francisco's, you'd hammer them just the same because, oh, they don't believe in themselves. The process was good. The results were not. And I think that's another storyline for this offseason that I'm going to try and focus on is that what is results aren't guaranteed. But do you have good process? Because law of averages will say good process over a greater span of time will eventually net better results than having bad process. But the Philadelphia Eagles came into this season with a brand new head coach quarterback he didn't pick, multiple first-round picks in the upcoming offseason, and they evaluated Jalen Hurts. And what that evaluation says, uh, I don't know. You know, there, there was plenty of optimism with him uh, before the playoff game was played this weekend. Uh, but I would also say some of that optimism is rooted in his, you know, the, the public perception of him because of the fantasy points he puts up, not because of his efficiency as a passer. He still has a lot of growth that's needed in that area. And they won, went 9-8. and eight. 
And I look at the talent Miami has defensively, and if we say, hey, we're going to push all our chips into the table, even mid-level Tua performances would give you a really strong chance to get the 9-8 and again next year, assuming you get somebody in here who knows what the hell they're doing with the offensive line and builds the run game, which depending on what direction you go with your coaching hire should be a pretty reasonable expectation. So I get that school of thought, and it makes sense. But there's good process, bad process ideas here. There's some bad process with the way that this headline has developed based on what was said at the beginning of the week versus now what's being said at the end of the week. And uh, we're going to touch on that bad process and how it kind of comes back to one of the root causes of struggles for this organization uh, but not before I tell you about our friends over at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. It's a new year. Resolutions. Maybe you want to eat healthier, get fit. Either way, Bilt Bar can be a part of that blueprint for you. Most of these bars are like 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. They are absolutely delicious to die for. Top of the first round value as far as protein bars go. So wherever your current stash is, chuck it. Throw it all out of snacks and replace it with a box of Bilt Bars. And uh, find out what all the fuss is about. You can visit Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is Bilt.com. Promo code LOCK15 to save 15%. Of your next order. So what's this bad process that I'm alluding to? Um, saying one thing at the beginning of the week and leaving it open and then putting bumpers on it later in the week before you've made any traction towards actually hiring a head coach is a bit of a flag for me that may pose some challenges to you getting a hire that you want or a desirable hire. So from all the surface level stuff, you look at Miami and it's very easy to see that uh, there's some variables that Miami is going to score very well in the defensive talent that they have. It's a very young nucleus and it's a good nucleus of defensive talent salary cap space. First in the NFL, great. Come in, you could spend a lot of money, get a bunch of guys that you want in in house. Uh, future draft capital: two first round picks in 2023, courtesy of the trade back uh, out of the number three spot with San Francisco. Okay, so you got some flexibility, right? Like like you got a lot of assets to work with. But any coach is also going to be wary of an environment that fostered. In such a short amount of time, what was supposed to be a everybody on the same page, very collaborative effort, um, a very toxic split after three seasons and two winning seasons. And coaches will probably going to look at, well, Brian Flores went 10 and six and nine and eight and was relieved of his duties. And some of that was self-inflicted wounds by Brian Flores. I don't think there's any question of that, right? You know, and there's anytime something is so odd that it doesn't make sense 
to us, based on what we know, it means there's something going on that we don't know. And some of the stuff that's come out throughout the course of the past week, I will give Stephen Ross credit for this. Their thought process for firing Brian Flores was, we did not see the organization operating in a way that was conducive to sustained winning and success. And with the volatility that was in that building behind closed doors and all the reports of Brian Flores stopped talking to some of his assistants around Thanksgiving. And assistant coaches didn't know what was going on with meetings. And the relationship between Chris Greer and Brian Flores and whoever was responsible for the Tua pick. You know, you've heard it all different ways. You've heard it was an ownership pick. You've heard it was Brian Flores was on board. Chris Greer went rogue against Brian Flores because it's what the owner wanted to do. Uh, they were all on the same page. They were all in agreement. And as soon as Tua got in-house, uh, Brian Flores soured on it. You've heard a million different iterations of that decision, but that decision feels central to things deteriorating and crumbling to the degree in which they did because for the last 12 months, we've been on the Deshaun Watson merry-go-round. And it came out from Jordan Schultz on Saturday after all of this public support of Tua by the Dolphins through uh, the main outlets, uh, uh, media outlets and insiders. Uh, Jordan Schultz reported that uh, Deshaun Watson and Brian Flores are apparently in frequent communication, trying to coordinate a landing spot for Brian Flores to go to be the head coach so that Deshaun Watson can go be the quarterback for that football team. And that they talk nearly daily. Think about that. Because that was pretty heavy to read. And it's like, oh, okay, like, yes, this was not sustainable unless you were going to go all in on that avenue. And if Greer wasn't comfortable with the price, and there is, of course, a morality issue that's tied to that, then this was not a conducive environment because you didn't have everybody on the same page. And who was right and who was wrong and, and all that jazz. Now, that's up for personal opinion. And I'm not going to tell you how to feel about that. But... um the process to look at that and evaluate it and understand, hey, you've got a coach that's making a push to become a Bill O'Brien type of coach as far as the power that he has within the organization, the ability to make uh, personnel decisions, even though he's already got, he's got a GM that's willing to do and make the moves, whatever he wants to do anyway, including things like bringing in Kyle Van Noy, and then one offseason later, getting rid of Kyle Van Noy one year into a four-year, $52 million contract because, according to Omar Kelly, Brian Flores didn't like that Kyle Van Noy had a voice for the players and questioned some of the things that they did defensively throughout the course of the 2020 season. So you're out of here. Doesn't matter that you're a highly respected leader on the team. Doesn't matter that we just signed you to a deal. Doesn't matter that there's cap ramifications. You're out of here. We're going to cut you. Things like that are bad process. And that's why you typically have a divide between the guy who coaches the team and the guy who manages the team. So I will give Miami credit for that. But the public messaging is where I think there is some bad process that might be considered a red flag to coaching candidates. 
owner on Monday publicly says, coach is going to have the opportunity to evaluate every dynamic of the roster, including the quarterback position. Come the end of the week, Tua Tungvalu expected to be the starter in 2022. Team is has a lot of support for him. Team looks and expects to build around him this offseason and expect him to be a starter next season. Well, is that that's your evaluation? Is that just a public display and voice support in support of Tua for the first time in his career, getting actual some public support from the team other than he's our quarterback? I don't know how else to say it. Tua Tangavalo is our quarterback. And for the record, regardless of what you think of Tua, the last year has been a master class on how to not instill confidence and bring out the best of and pose your quarterback to be in a position to succeed. And you can think he's not going to succeed. You could think he doesn't have the physical tools necessary or he doesn't read the field consistently enough. And those, I mean, for me, those are areas that need to get better. And I know I alluded to it last week, but I think you would be doing a disservice to the team and to Tua to not have somebody else in here who's at least a reasonable starter. Now, if you want to come in with an expectation that Tua is going to serve as the starter and you want an experienced backup, by all means. But there's also a durability factor with Tua that you'd be hard-pressed to ignore if you were going to say, hey, we want to be a team that can compete this year, so we need to have somebody else competent in the quarterback room. You, I don't think you can go to it and read Senate, just as an example. And I love Reed, but whether that's a young guy in, in the middle rounds that you draft, uh, a cheap veteran that you exchange a pick for, whatever. Maybe the head coach does come in and does commit his own evaluation, and that is the unforeseen circumstances that were alluded to in this press release. I don't know, but I, I certainly think. The owner giving a public voice that there's going to be that a coach is going to be afforded the opportunity to have an evaluation and make a decision. And then you turn around and at the end of the same week, you make a public declaration of expectation that that player is going to be your starter. That's not good process because the messaging that it is providing is that there are bumpers on what you're going to have at your disposal. And Miami does not get the benefit of the doubt in these regards. They should not get the benefit of the doubt in these regards because ever since, you know, Stephen Ross has taken over ownership of the Miami Dolphins football team, there have been frequent instances of in-house fighting amidst the organization. Just as an example, the, the Tony Sperano, Jeff Ireland feud that turned into the Jeff Ireland versus Joe Philbin and Donna Ponte feud. The, courting of Jim Harbaugh when you still had Tony Sperano under contract. Now the Chris Greer, Brian Flores divide, like you from an organizational standpoint have had a track record of not keeping everybody on the same page. So from my perspective to hear a conflicting viewpoint on a critical piece of the puzzle already is a bit of a flag and it might complicate their hunt for the head coach that they want. Now, 
they're not swinging for the big fish right now. And maybe those interviews are taking place under the radar. I know they, they were reportedly traveling up to Western New York uh, to talk to Brian Dable and talk to Leslie Frazier uh, over the weekend. And the Bills, of course, waxing the Patriots, which you absolutely hate to see. I feel so sorry for New England giving up 47 points um, <laughs> and losing in the wild card round. And we got to talk about the Patriots more in just a minute. Um, the Dallas Cowboys having lost is now going to open that window of opportunity to interview uh, the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, and the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Uh, and, and if you want to put the play at the end of the Cowboys game, the, the quarterback draw with 13 seconds left or whatever it was, then they ran out of time trying to clock the ball uh, squarely on the feet of Kellen Moore. Go listen to Mike McCarthy's press conferences. He um, doubled down on it, tripled down on it after the fact. Um, and, and I think using the wild card games as the entire resume that you're going to build on which head coaching candidate you would prefer to see signed anyway is bad process. So I wouldn't do it. Um, I know recency bias is a big thing, right? And, and everybody's going to look at that and point at that and say, oh, we'll see, this is the guy. Or no, that's the guy. Or oh, that's not the guy because of what he did in this game. Big, big picture, right? Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spots for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. A new year, a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKDOWN to get started from football, basketball, hockey, and boxing, even UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Would like to close the show today um, by not critiquing or criticizing or speculating on the Dolphins' process amidst their head coaching search, um, but instead. Uh, giving a little love to Miami for avoiding or, or being supplanted in off-season. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Futility? Um, empty spending? However you want to phrase it. What I would say is this. Uh, the Miami Dolphins set a record for the most dollars spent in free agency in 2022. And they went from five and 11 to 10 and six. They missed the playoffs. And of those contracts that were given out, the three headliners were Kyle Van Noy, one and done. Eric Flowers, three years, 30 million, one and done. Shaq Lawson, three years, 30 million, one and done. Right? <sighs> bunch of people looked at that spending, didn't like what they saw, and understandably so. But what would you do if I told you? And there's going to be these little petty moments throughout the course of the offseason, so just come to expect them, please. What would you do if I told you the New England Patriots outspent the Dolphins' 2020 offseason this past year by like $25 million, $20 million? They spent $159.6 million over nine days 
in 2021 to go from seven and nine to 10 and eight. Same amount of playoff wins as the Dolphins did the year prior. Same amount of total wins. And the Patriots do not have the flexibility that the Dolphins do this offseason. Fun little nugget as we enjoy the Patriots uh, being in the mud and down bad. And their, their fans are absolutely down bad because they are finding all kinds of tweets and uh, the New England Patriots next all this offseason, I should say, uh, are currently scheduled to possess $21.5 million in spending power in free agency. A respectable amount. It's in the bottom half of the league, but it's a respectable amount. Um, the Dolphins are scheduled to own three times as much. And the New England Patriots, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking on New England because they're a divisional opponent. We're obviously invested in Bill Belichick not having success amid Don Shula and the win record. Um, I look at the New England Patriots, and Mac Jones is going to need to get significantly better, right? Their, their passing game weapons are going to need to get significantly better. But they lost Joe Thune off last offseason, and they didn't really replace him. Trent Brown is an expiring contract, probably going to leave him free agency. And if you bring him back, he's probably going to commit a third of your available cap space by himself. Defensively, um, Donta Hightower needs to be replaced. They traded away Stephon Gilmore. J.C. Jackson's an expiring contract. He would probably command more than half of your available salary cap space. Um, Devin McCourty at free safety is, uh, slowing down pretty significantly. There's a lot of hard decisions that the new England Patriots are going to have to make. And I, I point that out to say, you know, Miami obviously swept them for the first time in 20 years, and that's a big deal. And we should all applaud that. But just because you're going through a coaching change doesn't mean that there are not still opportunities in this division that are right for the taking. Now, catching Buffalo is a completely different story, and I don't even think we can have that conversation right now. But I look at what New England has going into this offseason versus what the Dolphins have going into this offseason. And if you get the coaching hire right, and you do invest all the way into Tua, and let's say that this is indeed factuality, and the coach that they hire has that in mind, which I think is also bad process. I think you need to hire the best candidate and hope that that can work as compared to hiring the best candidate for one player on the team that you could very easily go a different direction in after one season anyway. That's, that's the definition of bad process. And I am for a hire that if they are fully committed to doing that with Tua, I am for a hire that will position him in a place to have better success but he is not the only variable with this football team and your entire offense, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's two. And, and if, if that's two a ceiling, San Francisco won 10 games and is playing in the divisional round of the playoffs. Just won a road playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. 
who for all intents and purposes, especially after the Nick Bosa injury, had more talent, more pure talent on their football team than San Francisco. 49ers won. And it shouldn't have been as close as it was. Jimmy Garoppolo started in a Super Bowl. Jared Goff has started in a Super Bowl. And they play that McVay-Shanahan-style system. And if that's to a ceiling and you want to go hire that guy, great. But I think what is worth remembering, and just a word of caution to, we need to hire Mike McDaniel because he's off the McVay tree and he would be best for Tua. Sean McVay had several years of playing with Jared Goff and then ultimately decided, you know what? I need a better player. And he went out and he got Matt Stafford. Kyle Shanahan has played several years, invested significantly in and around Jimmy Garoppolo. And this past offseason, they said, you know what? We need a better player. And they traded three first-round picks to go up in the draft and draft Trey Lance with the third overall pick. So it's just the, like that lesson of like, hey, you can, if you think Mike McDaniel's the guy, the OC from San Francisco, because he's going to best, he's the best fit for Tua specifically. That's fine, but also know that that evaluation for those quarterbacks, even if it's expanded out over a greater period of time, they're not immune from going out and getting elite physical traits, guys. And that's not Tua. He does not have elite physical traits other than his foot quickness and his ability to move in short spaces within the pocket. And that's my evaluation of Tua. Um so it's a lot of food for thought. Uh, I know the interview process is probably going to be drawn out. Um, there's a part of me that was was hoping to see Dallas win. Obviously, another part of me hoping to see San Francisco win, trying to open up those avenues to have those unfettered conversations with, with head coach candidates. We did have two potential interviews that, that freed up. They're not going to be busy in Dallas this week. Uh, they're not worrying about a divisional playoff game, so um, maybe they can get some traction on those interviews and see if that's a, a path that they want to take or not. Uh, I am waiting on bated breath regardless, though, uh, for what direction uh, or or the order in which the hires are made. I do not want to be the last team coming down with a coach and trying to fill out an assistant staff. We shall see. I'm sure it's going to be another busy week for us here on Locked on Dolphins, so make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make it a good one. Fins up. Talk to you guys again tomorrow.